mornings. I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, shopping for the Thanksgiving feast this weekend? Be sure to double-check that you have these things on hand from the list of most frequently forgotten holiday food items. Also this morning, what's the one thing you can be sure of the day after Thanksgiving? Leftovers. We have recipes from Kyra's Kitchen to help you polish them off. If the holiday season is the time for spreading joy to those less fortunate, we should also remember the 48 million homeless pets in America. And after being garaged last year, the first major North American auto show of the season is back for 2021. Look at a preview from opening day of the LA Auto Show. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, November 19th, 2021. Today is have a bad day, day. Have a bad day today. All right, then. That seems very cheery. Um, equal Opportunity Day. It is International Men's Day. National Camp Day. That could be rather chilly today, I'm thinking. National Blow Bagpipes Day. National Carbonated Beverage with Caffeine Day. It is Play Monopoly Day. Uh, Women's Entrepreneurship Day today. And World Toilet Day. Which, again, if you're thinking, if you really think about it, that is something that is definitely worth celebrating. <laughs> the toilet. I mean, of all of the things that we could celebrate and uh, pay tribute to, uh, the toilet would seem to be rather appropriate for that. So, uh, yeah, we've got the uh, Turkey Day uh, Thanksgiving pardoning of the turkey today uh, at the White House. And um, then we hop right into travel season. This weekend is going to be a busy travel weekend for those who are traveling ahead of the holiday and who have uh, several extra days of travel. The big day for travel, of course, is going to be on Wednesday, but uh, the Thanksgiving travel season actually kind of begins this weekend for folks who are taking an extended holiday. And woman, one woman's misfortune, you talk about have a bad day day today, uh, one woman's misfortune at the Miami airport uh, turned into a treat for everyone else who was traveling. I saw this video on TikTok, uh, shows a woman flying out of Miami International who found out when she got to the top of this to the front of the security line that she would not be able to take her jug of vodka uh through the checkpoint and onto the plane she had a big jug of vodka and you can't have that much uh, liquid and so rather than just throwing it away <laughs> she cracked open the bottle and passed it around <laughs> And everybody in the line uh, took a couple of shots and they polished it off. That's that's the way to do it right there. <laughs> uh, so hey, they're just complying with the uh, with the TSA. That's <laughs> that's turning a bad day into a very good day for everybody else. I like that. Um, by the way, sh- uh, speaking of TikTok uh, and. Uh, Videos that have gone viral here of late. I happened to see this, and uh, I thought this is one of the first things that we have to talk about, the most buzzworthy stories of the day. A video posted by a user visiting Singapore's ultra-luxurious Marina Bay Sands Hotel 
shows a receipt for the purchase of two small bowls of steamed rice. Now, you know, when you are at a hotel and especially when you are at a very upscale resort, that things are going to be more expensive than usual. But in this case, uh, the two small bowls of steamed white rice cost $8 each Singapore money. That about amounts to about $6 in U.S. money, $6 a piece. So after taxes, uh, it was a charge of nearly $14 for two bowls of rice, which outraged uh, TikTok users who res- uh, reacted to the video saying, I would eat grass before I'd pay this price for rice, which can understand that. But it brought to mind, uh, my wife and I actually spent a few days at Mackinac Island uh, back a couple, three months ago. And uh, <laughs> I kid you not, at one of the restaurants, at one of the hotels at, uh, at Mackinac Island, they sold s'mores kits. It was two graham crackers, four marshmallows, and a Hershey's chocolate bar for nine dollars. <laughs> nine bucks for two graham crackers, four marshmallows, and a Hershey's chocolate bar. <laughs> I'm thinking I need that racket right there. That's what I need. Anyway, I just uh, saw that on uh, TikTok and it brought to mind that story I had this year. Uh, Some of the other most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. TGIF, by the way, and happy Friday. Um, We're going to be traveling, and that means uh, maybe we're going to be leaving our pets at home. And this is maybe something if you uh, are concerned that your pets will miss you while you're gone. Introducing the dog phone. The dog phone, it is just what it says, a phone that allows you to call your dog or allows your dog to call you to get a little FaceTime when they're missing you, when you're not at home. Your dog can call you. The invention was created by animal tech scientists in Great Britain and Finland And it allows your dog to dial you via video by jiggling a ball attached to an accelerometer. The motion prompts a video call to your phone from the dog phone. Uh, Scientist at the University of Glasgow invented the technology with help from her Labrador retriever, Zach. (laughs) Along with researchers from Finland's Aalto University. The technology was tested by having uh, Zach make some calls, which triggered various video footage. And the uh, inventor says, of course, we can't know for sure that the dogs are aware of the casual link between picking up the ball and making a phone call, or even that the interactions were actually intentional. We don't know that. However, it is clear that at least on some occasions, the dog was definitely interested in what he was seeing on the video screen, and he displayed some of the same behaviors he shows when uh, Zach and his human are physically together. So they surmised that there was some benefit for the dog. 
Scientists hope the technology could be used to ease the transition for pandemic pets whose owners are transitioning from working at home full time to going back to the office. And dog scientists hope the technology can be used to tell you to maybe pick up some dog treats on the way home. That's what they your dog can call you. Hey, we need some treats. We're a little low on uh, on treats. Go ahead and uh, buy some of those. And uh, by the way, this is kind of interesting. Speaking of your dog, you realize your dog may, may be more affected by the noises in your household more so than you might think. Uh, researchers at the University of California surveyed dog owners and found that high-frequency intermittent household noises, such as the battery warning on a smoke detector, are more likely to cause anxiety in your dog rather than low-frequency continuous noise. They also found that many dog owners underestimate their pets' frightened reactions to household noises. We underestimate this. And we often respond with amusement rather than concern. Experts say common signs of anxiety in dogs include cringing, trembling, retreating. There are also more subtle clues, such as panting, licking their lips, turning their head away, stiffening their body, turning their ears back, and lowering their head below their shoulders. The lead author of the study, Emma Grigg, says we hope this study gets people to think more about the sources of sound that might be causing their dog stress so that they can take steps to minimize their dog's exposure to it. So it is kind of interesting, something to keep in mind um, about the things that actually cause our dog's stress uh, around the house. And finally, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, good news to be sure, Anheuser-Busch will be brewing their flagship beer for the first time since 1906. You're thinking, what do you mean Anheuser-Busch is brewing their flagship beer for the first time in more than a century? Well, St. Louis Lager was the company's original beer 160 years ago. It has a darker body than the traditional lagers produced by the company today. Well, this December, it says here, Anheuser-Busch will be bringing back the flagship beer at their St. Louis Beer Garden for customers to enjoy for the first time in more than a century. And for every St. Louis lager sold, Anheuser-Busch will be donating $2 to the 100 Neediest Cases campaign led by the United Way of St. Louis. So it's nice that it is for a good cause, but that's if you are a beer lover, a beer connoisseur, uh, that would be worth. It doesn't say how long this will be available. It says this December they'll be bringing back the original St. Louis lager from 160 years ago. But is it only through the month of December? Is it only for a couple of weeks? It is only while supplies last? I don't know. I don't know anything more than what I just shared with you with the story. But if you are a beer lover, it is certainly worth investigating and getting more information. So there you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast, partly to mostly sunny today with a high of 41. 
Partly cloudy tonight, a low of 30. Republicans in the Ohio House have passed a bill that would allow Ohioans to carry a concealed handgun without taking a gun safety course or passing a background check, as is currently required. House Bill 227 gives anyone over the age of 21 who can legally carry a gun to carry a concealed firearms, no strings attached. For one organization, the process becomes easier for gun holders. For others, they feel it's reckless. If this does go all the way through, we did reach out to the governor's office to see if he would sign this into law. He says it's too early to make that decision, not knowing what the final version will look like. ONN's Tino Ramos reporting the House also passed a bill that would allow teachers with 20 hours of training to carry a gun at their school. Get more on both bills on our website. State Representative John Cross became ill on Thursday. The Republican from Kenton was taken to a Columbus hospital as a precaution after experiencing flu-like symptoms prior to the Thursday session of the Ohio House. Cross issued a statement saying he's very disappointed that he missed several key votes that are of great importance to his constituents and all Ohioans. He says he tested negative for COVID. We got a behind-the-scenes look as the Finley Fire Department was conducting some training exercises, including zero-visibility rescues. One person has a thermal imaging camera, and then the other two firefighters have zero visibility, just like it would be in a smoked-out condition. But the, the firefighter with the thermal imaging camera that can see through the smoke directs their, their search from room to room. That's Assistant Chief Brian Sanders. You can get more of our conversation with him and see video of the training exercises on our website. High school football playoff action continues this weekend. The Ottawa Glandorf Titans will play Elyria Catholic on Saturday night in the regional finals in Clyde. Carey also advanced to the regional finals and will take on Liberty Center Saturday in Bowling Green. Finley's Donnell Stadium will be hosting a couple more games. The game between Port Clinton and Van Wert on Friday night and the game between Hopewell Loudon and Lima Central Catholic on Saturday night. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, it's so good to have uh, this back. Uh, car enthusiasts have been waiting for this for a long time. Joining us this morning is Matt Jones. He is Director of uh, Brand and Industry Communications for True Car from the Los Angeles Auto Show with a look at what is going on at the show this year from the hottest innovations to the coolest new models and automotive trends. And Matt, first of all, thanks for uh, taking the time. Let's start with the uh, with the trends. Uh, I would imagine that it doesn't take very long where uh, you walk through the show and you see kind of a recurring theme at this year's LA Auto Show. Yes, you're 100% right. That recurring theme is EV, electrification, uh, electric vehicles, whatever you want to call it, but that seems to be the theme of LA Auto Show 2021 is, is uh, EV and the impact EVs are going to have on uh, on all of us and our driving, and, you know, now and in the years to come. And so what do the manufacturers think uh, it, it, that impact is going to be? I mean, what is, uh, what is the future hold at least according to these uh, manufacturers' vision, what do they think that consumers uh, are going to, where are we going to be uh, in the coming years? Well, you know, I think, you know, the manufacturers are committed. You know, for example, Kia has committed to being fully electric in Europe, you know, by 2035, and 2035 isn't that far away. Right. I think they said they wanted to be carbon neutral in, in 2040, so it's like a combination of EV for us to drive, and it's also, you know, uh, sustainability because that's right in front of people's, you know, it's forefront of a lot of people's minds. And I think that these manufacturers are really leaning in, saying, hey, this is this is what's happening. And 
But what's really cool about that is even though adoption, you know, is still, you know, relatively small compared to the overall market right now, um, the behaviors that EV shoppers exhibit are going to transfer into other segments as well. So if you hop into an EV vehicle, for example, and you see it's very technologically advanced, and you're shopping for a car. Well, even if you don't buy an EV, you're still yeah. going to want something that's technologically advanced. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to have ramifications uh, beyond just EV. But I think that these car manufacturers are just leaning in pretty hard and saying, this is the future, um, and, and we're preparing for it now. We're, you know, we're, at the, we're at the foundational stages. You make a really good point that I think sometimes goes overlooked, that, uh, again, even if uh, consumers are not ready to go all in on EVs yet, the technology that will ultimately drive that is something that consumers are asking for, are increasingly expecting, and obviously is kind of driving the whole trend in that direction. You mentioned, I'm curious to get your take on this because, I mean, you're around the industry all the time, studying a part of it and all, all of this. You mentioned the relatively small adoption rate at this point. Does it surprise you at all that the manufacturers have gone all in on electric as opposed to other alternative? But I mean, for a while, it was, um, you know, hydrogen fuel cell was going to be the uh, the future. And it seems like that's all been all but been ab- abandoned when the adoption rate still is. Consumers don't seem to be all in on uh, electric vehicles. Why are manufacturers? I, I think the manufacturers see the vision of, you know, maybe there's some advantages for production. Maybe there's some advantages for, you know, long term and, and, and OEM land that we don't see. But I think what they really see that, you know, that consumers see is that the adoption is going to really depend upon people understanding what EVs are and what EVs aren't. And I think that they're confident once the story gets told in a broader, you know, uh, a broader conversation, people start getting inside of these cars, they start making them off the coast, you know, and they start getting into, you know, having a little bit more influence in other parts of the country. You get into an EV, you drive it with that instant torque and that power, mm-hmm. and, you know, and that, that usability. I mean, it's, it's hard to deny it, you know. We're seeing we're seeing EV vehicles that are you know in races that are beating traditional uh, gas powered vehicles. So it's not an issue. It's like they're slow anymore. You've got these Rivians coming out that you know are off road super duty trucks. So it's not that they can't you know they're not tough anymore. Right. I think the conversation just needs to become bigger and broader. And as people start to gain acceptance, then I think more people are going to transition over to it. And there's you know there's been definitely demonstrations. You know companies have proven that a person with a little bit of planning. For example, and I'm thinking about range anxiety here because I know range right, anxiety actually right. you know, throws some people off. But, you know, there's been people who've driven, um, you know, uh, electric vehicles from Santa Monica to Manhattan and back to Santa Monica. And they just proved that what they needed to do was just do a little bit of planning and integrate it into the trip. You know, so as those stories get told and as new buyers enter the market, I think that's one of the reasons why the automotive uh, manufacturers is just so bullish. Because remember, you and I are important to you and I, but probably to a lot of these car makers, you know, our kids and their kids is just as important as we are, you know, and they, and they might be, have a higher, uh, you know what I mean? So I think it's, they're, they're playing the long game. Uh, if I had to make a, a single statement and a lot of us are, you know, looking for what we're comfortable with and what we're used to. Right. And, uh, you know, you know, so I think, I, 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 I don't know. I'm going to does that make sense? I mean, I yeah, think that, I that's guess, my take on it. Yeah, I guess it's like any technology. I mean, you really think about it. I mean, you know, whether we're talking about the internet or cell phones or 
Spotify, it, it seems like the younger generation is the ones that are more comfortable with it. It stands to reason that they will be the ones uh, that are most comfortable with this. And, and thinking long range makes a lot of sense for the uh, automobile manufacturers. Uh, so, again, they're at the uh, Los Angeles Auto Show. What are some of the big reveals? Because that's always what people want to know is what's new and exciting. Well, you know, because, you know, I, I, I'm... Uh as we're talking about EVs, uh, you know, I'm super excited about EVs. I want to see that conversation get bigger and broader. And and so what I'm most excited about is an EV that's uh, being the concept it's called the EV9 that Kia's going to uh, reveal at the show. And it's a full-size SUV that's going to be all electric. It's going to have all that tech. It's going to have all that new styling. It's going to have a great powertrain. Um, but what I'm excited about, you know, is that it's a full-size SUV. And we like big cars here in America, you yep. know. And so that's another part of the conversation that says, hey, look, you can tote around your, you know, I don't know how many people this thing is going to carry. I don't know if it's five or seven or whatever, but you can tear, carry your family around in this EV. It's going to work for that, and that's going to help bolster that conversation. I'm also excited, you know, there's a rumor, you know, that I, I you know, I'm a big fan of uh, Acura Integra, which is, a, you know, a car that uh, Acura sunsetted back in the 2000s. I heard a rumor that they may unveil the new Integra here. Um, and, and, and even besides unveils, even besides concepts and stuff, you know, I'm about a couple hundred yards away from the Ford F-150 Lightning. You know, that's awesome. That's very exciting. You know, uh, we've got some rally cars here. They've got people who are able to test drive Jeeps on an off-road simulation right in front of the Staples Center. So, you know, the, the EVs are, you know, or the, uh, the concepts are super awesome, but there's a whole lot of good stuff going on here. I'm, I'm really excited about this show. Again, Matt Jones is Director of Brand and Industry Communications for True Car from the Los Angeles Auto Show. And where do we get more information about all of this? Well, if, if anybody else is curious and they want to see this uh, concept that I've been talking about, they can check it out at Kia.com. If you want to learn more about the automotive industry as a whole or, or shop for a car, you can come visit me at TrueCar.com. Or if you just want to see some of the cool stuff that's going on at the LA Auto Show, just Google LA Auto Show 2021, and you'll see all the cool stuff that's going on over the next you know, 8 to 10 days. Matt, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, when we talk about the issue of homelessness, this is maybe not the first thing that comes to your mind. But did you know that there are currently an estimated 48 million homeless dogs and cats in the United States? It's a pretty big number. First ever State of Pet Homelessness Index analyzes data from nine countries, including the U.S., measuring the impact of pet homelessness and the factors that may influence it so we can all better support companion animals, find and to find and remain uh, in safe and forever homes with the care they need. And joining us this morning is uh, Dr. Ellen Jefferson, Executive Director at American Pets Alive, uh, also with us, Dr. Jennifer Ogier, Vice President of Medical Science and Innovation at Antech Diagnostics, Mars Veterinary Health. And ladies, uh, first of all, Dr. Jefferson, let me start uh, with you. Talk a little bit about this uh, problem of pet homelessness. How does it compare in this country to the other countries you looked at? Are we doing better, worse, what? Well, as, you know, in the U.S., we're doing slightly better than some countries and slightly worse than some countries. And um, I th think the the statistic that we really hone in on at American Pets Alive is that 5.4 million that end up in shelters in the U.S. And um, for us, that's a huge problem because we know that Americans actually view their pets as family members. And um, the fact that millions end up in shelters and many of them actually die alone there is a, is a, a big 
um, it's a big problem that we really need to find a solution for it in this day and age. And Dr. Ogier, uh, we mentioned the State of Pet Homelessness Index, where you did more than just count up the number of homeless pets. You looked at a number of different uh, data points and so on. Talk a little bit about how uh, this, this data was gathered and what exactly you're uh, looking at. Kind of give us uh, more details about the, uh, this index. You know, as Ellen mentioned, this is a complex, but it's also a global problem. And what we did is we collaborated with eight animal welfare experts and advisors from leading organizations around the globe to really guide the development of the index. As you already mentioned, it was developed over nine countries using over 200 global and local data sources. But fundamentally, this index is the first global data-driven tool that measures the scale of pet homelessness and really trying to also identify what are the key factors and root causes of this problem, knowing that there may be variances across the countries. And I think that's important because we need that sort of consistency in the data to be able to define the problem. And when we're able to define the problem and understand the problem better, we're better able to actually implement programs and interventions to address this very, very challenging and serious problem. So, Dr. Jefferson, then, what were some of the key, uh, some of the key data that that you uh, glean from uh, this uh, index, uh, this uh, report, and how do you use that then to help fight uh, homelessness uh, among dogs and cats in this country? Well, it gives us a lot of data. Some points that were, were uh, I think, helpful, very helpful, were confirming the fact that the main reason for separation of people and pets is things like not having access to affordable vet care, not having access to behavioral support, and not having access to pet-friendly housing. All of those things are driving pets out of homes and into the streets and into shelters. And that that's a big problem because shelters... Really, you know, all the work that we've done trying to help shelters, if you think of shelters as just sort of the repository for all of these people problems, um, we have issues that can be uncovered through this index and other pieces of data to, to start looking at root causes and create better solutions, more lasting solutions, sustainable solutions. It's really interesting uh, the way you refer to that as the uh, animal shelters as being a repository for the people problems. I mean, uh, having so many homeless pets is largely uh, a problem of society, and we send them off to the shelters thinking we've taken care of the problem when we really haven't. Correct. And again, it goes without saying the benefits uh, of keeping people and pets together uh, are are obvious. I mean, or they should be. Uh, we know how uh, good this is, how healthy this is for both pets and people. Absolutely. And, you know, when we think about sort of the human-animal bond and how powerful that interaction is, you know, we, we thought about sort of what else could we do. And so in addition to the State of Pet Homelessness Index, we at Mars Pet Care also just released the Keeping People and Pets together report and that really examines the strength and relationship we've developed with our pets particularly in the last two years dealing with a global pandemic where we all know that the benefits of us having our pets with us as our family members as our best friends really has sort of helped support our mental health psychologically and our emotional well-being and I think we really want to focus on that as we move forward because as we think about those benefits and what success looks like it really is about 
let's create a better world for pets. Let's keep them with their parents. And that just means that all these pets are cared for, they're wanted and welcome. And naturally, that is let them each have their forever home and stay with their pet parents. So we uh, identify the scope of the problem. We look at uh, some of the root causes of the problem. So then the uh, question becomes, Dr. Jefferson, what are the things that we can do to help solve the problem? Well, the good news is there's a lot of ways we can solve this problem. And um, you can find the, the data itself at inpethomelessness.com. Uh, we've also been working with a conglomerate of shelters all over the country for the Human Animal Support Services Project, which is a um, is releasing toolkits for anybody to be able to use to affect change. And one of those could be setting up mutual aid pages on Facebook next door, creating opportunities for neighbors to talk to each other about the, the challenges they're having with their pet so that somebody can help them. And it brings it out into the daylight. And that, that's, uh, that's just one toolkit that can really help make uh, lasting change, we hope. Ultimately, the goal is to find a home for every pet and a pet in every home. It is uh, such a, a wonderful bond for both animals and the people who care for them. Again, uh, Dr. Ellen Jefferson, Executive Director at American Pets Alive, Dr. Jennifer Ogier, uh, Vice President of Medical Science and Innovation at Antech Diagnostics, Mars Veterinary Health, talking about the state of pet homelessness index and once again where do we get more information uh, on all of this mention again the website and pethomelessness.com we encourage everyone to go there build awareness and we really want to thank you for the time today to share our insights Well, the holiday season is upon us, and if you plan on hosting this year, maybe you've forgotten how stressful this can be, given that uh, so few of us actually had big gatherings at last year. So maybe uh, you've forgotten that between all the shopping and the cooking and the entertaining of guests, uh, we could all use a little help to stay on track. And so joining us this morning uh, with some tip, simple tips to uh, save time and resources and maybe a little bit of your sanity uh, is uh, Chief Business Officer and Holiday Shopping Expert at Shipped, Rena Hurst. Rena, what are some of the most common things that hosts forget ahead of the holiday celebration? Let's get that out of the way first so that people can put those things on their list. Absolutely. Well, you, you, you said it well. It's both a stressful and exciting and fun time of year. It's a time of year where we see the days get shorter and our to-do list get longer. And it's so important to get ahead of those uh, that those shopping moments and, and not forget those items. And so this year at SHIP, we conducted a Thanksgiving shopping survey and we learned a few things about Americans um, as it relates to this holiday season. Number one is that 80% of Americans will be preparing or cooking some sort of Thanksgiving meal and 61% admitted to forgetting to purchase one or more key items that they need for that meal. So I'm here to share with you today uh, the top five most forgotten items list um, so we can get ahead of it this season. Okay, so what's on that list? Okay, number one is a, was a surprise to me. I don't know if it will be for you, but it's cranberries. Cranberries are the most forgotten item. Okay. All right. That may be one of those things we always assume that we've got in the pantry already, only to find out later that we don't. 
We had forgotten them. Yep. Number two is fragrant spices. Those all important oregano, thymes, and rosemary. Mm-hmm. Three and four are napkins and beverages. And then tied for fifth place is both pie crust and pumpkin spices. Mm. So this holiday, we want to remind you not to forget those items and to use ships to take all of the stress out of your holiday season. Now, I know that one of the uh, things that has been growing in popularity uh, has been uh, ordering food from the store. It's already made, so we're not spending hours in the kitchen. There's a lot of uh, logic behind that. What are some of the top ready-made items uh, that people are looking for, looking to buy? Yeah, I definitely fall into the camp here of fake it till you bake it. I am not a baker, so I tend to to lean outside of the home to get these items. Um, And as do many Americans, it turns out. Uh, Top items being purchased instead of made at home are bread, dinner rolls, and dessert. So, you know, I think this is another one. There's no shame in in leaning in to get a little extra help and, and taking advantage of that life hack. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think anyone will uh, judge you if you are not baking your own bread for your own dinner rolls, for crying out loud. You've got enough to worry about. Uh, you you also talk about uh, the resources that uh, people can use to take some of that stress uh, out of hosting the big gathering. Again, especially if we've forgotten just how stressful this can be. Yeah, we want to make it so easy for everyone this year. I'm going to urge you right now to head over to shipped.com. It's S-H-I-P-T.com or download the Shipped app. And from there, you'll see an icon that is our Thanksgiving most forgotten list. Simply click the button. All of those key items will be added to your cart. And within minutes and hours, we'll have a shopper out in store at your favorite local grocer taking care of all of that stress, whether it be navigating the aisles, getting through checkout, parking, finding all those hard-to-find items for you so you can spend time doing things that matter most to you this holiday season. We support over 130 retailers in 5,000 cities nationwide. and We want to make this holiday as stress-free for everyone here at SHIP. Yeah, that's, you talk about uh, stressful. It's not just in, oh my goodness, what did I forget, but the stress of actually having to go out and battle the crowds and all of that. So you can have somebody else do that. That just takes off another layer of stress in and of itself. Uh, again, uh, Rena Hurst is uh, Chief Business Officer, Holiday Shopping Expert at Shipped. Where do we get uh, more information? Head over to Shipped.com. That's S-H-I-P-P.com. Or download the Shipped app and have a flawless and happy holiday season. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Police are investigating a sword attack that broke out at a Starbucks parking lot this week in Fresno, California. A sword attack. Police Lieutenant Sean Briggs reported that two men were arguing when the 30-year-old suspect slashed the 42-year-old victim with a sword that he retrieved from his truck. The uh, victim was taken to the hospital and is listed in stable condition after receiving a cut on his arm. The suspect was arrested without incident. It is still unclear what the two men were arguing about prior to the attack. But a sword attack. (laughs) Man. 
Who who runs around with a sword in the back of their truck? I mean, gun racks, I see those all the time. But I guess uh, in California, they don't carry guns. So <laughs> they have this thing about guns. We carry swords. <laughs> Elsewhere, the uh, broken news. It's one thing to have a side hustle. But just as a general rule... Your side hustle, your part-time job, should not interfere with your day job. Uh, 50-year-old Christopher Walls pleaded guilty on Tuesday in uh, Long Branch, New Jersey, to manufacturing control, manufacturing a controlled dangerous substance. He apparently was oper- operating a meth lab out of his home. Uh, and this was just a side hustle. His regular day job was as a... New Jersey, Long Branch, New Jersey, police officer. (laughs) Okay. Cop with a meth lab. See, again, your side hustle really should not interfere with your day job. This is like real life uh, breaking bad there. Uh, The now former police officer could face up to 10 years in prison when he is sentenced in January. And yes, he must forfeit his public office, and his firearms. (laughs) I would think at least. From the international file, the broken news, a uh, Chinese man say he has been blacklisted from a restaurant uh, in his local town for eating too much at an all-you-can-eat restaurant. They kicked him out for eating too much. Well, you know, if you go to if you go to Vegas and you win too much at the casino, they'll throw you out. They they want they want you to come in and, and gamble. They really, really don't want you to win. This is kind of the same thing. They say it's an all you can eat restaurant, but if you eat too much, you're gone. <laughs> the man known only as Mr. Kang tells Hunan TV outlets that he was banned from the Handadi Seafood Barbecue Buffet after a series of binges. Uh, Mr. Kang acknowledges that he ate over three pounds of pig's feet during his first visit and more than... Really? Three pounds of pig's... Uh, And more than seven pounds of prawns on his next visit, but he calls the restaurant discriminatory against people who can eat a lot. Oh, this was America. He'd be suing. I don't know if he's suing or not. Uh, The restaurant owner owner claims Mr. Kang's appetite is making him go broke. He says, every time he comes in here, I lose a few hundred yuan. (laughs) You eat too much at the all-you-can-eat restaurant, they'll throw you out. They they don't like that. And earlier, you remember... That we said it was have a bad day day today. Well, here are a couple of examples of people having a bad day. Uh, This is pretty bad. Police in Tucson, Arizona, uh, deployed spike strips on Saturday to stop a high-speed chase along Interstate 10. (laughs) They ended up disabling seven of the wrong cars in the process. (laughs) Seven. Of the wrong cars 
got their tires blown on the spike strips. A woman says she and several other drivers hit the strips at highway speed and then struggled to pull over without causing a crash. They didn't learn until later that they were in the middle of a 31-mile police chase. And to add insult to injury, the suspect, whose tires they were trying to spike, actually kept on going. (laughs) With... Witnesses say when all was said and done, there were seven cars disabled on the side of the highway. The woman said the police response was lacking and they offered an apology and called a tow truck for her. But she's out more than seven hundred dollars for new tires. And it's money that she's trying to get back from the department. (laughs) That's embarrassing. Right there, you try and deploy the spike strips to stop a police chase, and you <laughs> end up taking out seven cars, but not the one you were trying to stop in the first place. That's a bad day. And uh, <laughs> uh, another bad day. This is really a bad day. And we're coming up on the travel season for the holidays, so take note of this. A couple who booked a Ryanair flight to Spain from England were stunned when they got off the plane only to find themselves in Greece instead of Spain. Uh, Humera and Farouk Sheik booked a trip to Seville on the low-cost airline Ryanair. It's an international low-cost airline. Kind of like Southwest, but uh, I think Ryanair Ryanair is based in Iceland, isn't it? Uh, but it's a low-cost discount airline. So they check in at London, boarded what they thought was their flight to Seville, Spain. Uh, didn't have any problems. Showed them their boarding passes. They were allowed to board. It was only after hailing a taxi at their destination that they realized that they had flown 1,200 miles in the wrong direction. <laughs> The couple said they tried to straighten out the mess with Ryanair staff, but the airline just laughed at them. Uh, The uh, airline only offered one night at a hotel, despite the next flight home not taking off for another four days. A spokesperson for the airline maintained, quote, it is each customer's responsibility to ensure that they board the correct aircraft. However, they did say that they are working with their handling agents to ensure that this error does not recur. So, <laughs> as long as you learn from your mistakes there, <laughs> that's a bad day. You end up 1,200 miles from your intended destination. There you go. That is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile app for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under skills and you'll soon be saying Alexa play 1330 WFIN and the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free on the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM online at WFIN.com and on your smartphone tablet and Alexa devices and now your daily download the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives three in five vaccinated Americans Three in five say that family members who are unvaccinated are uninvited to their holiday celebration. Banned for the holidays. Yeah. 
60% of Americans say family members who are unvaccinated are not welcome. We had this, uh, I think we were talking about this a few days ago, got more numbers from this poll of 2,000 Americans. Now, it is a non-scientific poll, but the results are very interesting. Uh, Finds that 72% of Americans in this poll do not think that they can ever convince those family members who are unvaccinated to get vaccinated. So, they... 70%, nearly three and four, say these people in our family are lost lost cause. 22% of unvaccinated people say they have been excluded from all family gatherings, including the upcoming holidays. Of the 65% of respondents who had their shots, 60% cut off communications with family members who won't get the vaccine. Not only are they disinvited to the holidays, they're not even on speaking terms anymore. 63% say they are not comfortable inviting unvaccinated relatives to their parties. 38% of unvaccinated people, however, say they remain in contact with their vaccinated family members, and 58% of those say that they are welcome to hang for the holidays, vaccinated or not. So it's an interesting disconnect there. Either the numbers uh, are not necessarily reliable, and we mentioned it was a scientific, an unscientific poll, uh, or else there is some confusion <laughs> in these numbers as to whether unvaccinated family members are welcome for the holiday celebrations or not. Could lead to some tension, I would guess. More than half of those in the poll, 53%, Say, and this is the most interesting part of it for me. Uh, more than half of those polled, 53%, say the politicization of the vaccine has completely divided their families. It has become so political, it has completely divided their families. Despite 79% of respondents who say that politics should not enter into science or medicine. Hmm. Yeah, it seems we believe that, but we're not practicing that at the end of the day is what those results say to me here. Oh, and uh, not surprisingly, 56% of those polled say they expect vaccine-related arguments around the Thanksgiving table if they get the invite. (laughs) 56% say, yeah, this is going to be a topic that we're going to be arguing about around the Thanksgiving table. So Thanksgiving is less than a week away, coming up on Thursday. And what is the one thing that you can be sure of the day after Thanksgiving? Leftovers. Leftovers. (laughs) That is exactly right. You're going to have leftovers. And so today's collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen uh, is stuff that's perfect to polish off the leftovers. If you uh, are not interested in cold turkey sandwiches and things like that. Rewarmed sweet potatoes, and uh, so that's not on. bad. <laughs> but 
it can get old. I yes. mean, you know, those are yeah. your standard things. Yes. So we've got uh, a collection of recipes uh, for that are perfect for Thanksgiving leftovers. And we mentioned yep. uh, we bring this up uh, today because we will not be here next Friday. Yeah. Um, short week next shopping. week. Shopping. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> are we going to be shopping or are, for Black Friday, or are we going to be sleeping in at sleeping this hour? Sleeping in and shopping. We can do <laughs> well, both. Well, but at this hour, when we would normally be doing recipes, we'd be normally doing this show. Right now? We would be probably sleeping. Yeah. Probably sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so a short week next week, so we figured we would do the Thanksgiving leftover recipes today and my wife kyra has joined us in the studio as you can tell uh, <laughs> good morning good morning first of all we have turkey cheddar and bacon sliders yes so uh 12 ounce sweet hawaiian rolls you're gonna have those left over yes <laughs> probably <laughs> and if you have any type of roll left over you could use yeah, that you don't too. have to use sweet no, hawaiian rolls nope. but no, any type of roll, half a cup of honey mustard dressing, three-fourths pound of your shredded turkey, um, leftover turkey, six slices of cheddar cheese, uh, two to three ounces of bacon bits. Uh, if you have them, if you don't, no big deal. No, you you mentioned baker, bacon bits. Could mm-hmm. you use like strips of bacon? Yeah, or and, it's, and, I mean, and crumble them up, fry them okay. up and crumble them up. Yep. Okay. Yeah. But ideally, yeah. they would be crumbled. Yes, you want them okay. cooked. Okay. Yeah. Well, yep. yeah, you want it cooked, obviously, yeah. but crumbled. Yeah, I as mean, you could, to... use, you could use slices too. You don't have to crumble yeah. it up. It's all going to get cut anyway. So whatever oh, okay. you prefer. All right. So anyway, yep. I just saw that. Yep. Five tablespoons of butter melted, a quarter cup of brown sugar, one teaspoon of mustard, and two teaspoons of Worcestershire sauce. So preheat your oven to 350 degrees, line a nine by 13 baking pan with foil. If you don't have foil, you can just grease your pan a little bit. That's fine also. Uh, use a bread knife or a long serrated knife to uh, slice your rolls unless they're already sliced, which is fine also. Uh, remove the top half and set that aside. Place the bottom half in the lined baking dish. Spread the dressing on the your uh, honey mustard dressing on the bottom of the roll. Mm-hmm. So spread that yeah. uh, like mayonnaise or whatever to spread that. Then put your turkey on and your cheese and then set the bottom um, that's covered in the meat and cheese in the oven just to warm it up into, um, while you're working on your sauce. Okay. So the the glaze for the sliders. Yeah. Okay. So next is the glaze. So melt your butter, stir in your brown sugar, your mustard, and your Worcestershire sauce. Uh, remove the bottom half of the sliders from the oven. Sprinkle bacon bits on top of the cheese. Place the top half of the slider on the sandwich. Pour your sweet glaze over top. And if you have like a little brush, just brush it across. Okay. Um, on top of your mm-hmm. on top of your roll. Yep. Bake for about ten to fifteen minutes till the sandwiches begin to brown and take out and serve. So that's a great way to get rid of the leftover rolls, the leftover turkey, yep. uh, and any leftover napkins you may have. Yes. Yes. There you go. Because <laughs> they are be, sticky. Yes. You but will. They're need, so good. They are really, really oh, good. So We've good. had I love these. Them. This is one of the. Um, this is one of our favorite post Thanksgiving yep. recipes yep. at our house. So uh, I can verify that these are very, very good. Yes. Uh, To go along with that, you've got sweet potato patties using uh, your leftover sweet Sweet potatoes. potatoes. And I'm wondering here, before we start on this, uh, again, 
Could you use mashed potatoes yeah. on this? Oh, yeah. So yeah. you do the same recipe yep. with uh, mashed potatoes yeah. instead of sweet potatoes mm-hmm. because the sweet potatoes are a little more fibrous. Right. Um, so yeah. I don't know yeah. if this would work with, out as well with, with sweet the, pota- uh, with mashed potatoes. With the uh, mashed potatoes, you probably wouldn't have to have the breadcrumbs. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because um, the breadcrumbs kind of help thicken up the sweet potatoes because they're a little bit, they can be a little bit runnier than okay. mashed potatoes. All right. Okay. So they're so, not quite as starchy. The so. sweet potato patties. Yes. Yeah. So three cups of your leftover sweet potatoes mashed up, one egg beaten, two to three uh, tablespoons of breadcrumbs, uh, three to four slices of cooked bacon crumbled, and that's optional, and a half a cup of uh, leftover corn. So, uh, in a medium bowl, beat the egg, add the sweet potatoes and mash with a fork, uh, add your breadcrumbs, breadcrumbs, your bacon and your corn and, uh, your seasoning. Again, if you're using the mashed potatoes, you probably do without the breadcrumbs. Correct. So you would leave that out. But anyway, okay. Yep. Then form into patties and cook in a skillet with two tablespoons of melted butter until brown on both sides and then serve. There you go. So easy peasy. Yep. Uh, and then for dessert, I'm not sure uh, how much of this would be leftover. Yeah. I guess the uh, can of pumpkin, if you bought yeah. more cans of pumpkin yeah. than you and actually end up using for I mean, your pumpkin pie. If you're or making something uh, with canned pumpkin, you don't use it all. Like if you make a pumpkin oh, roll. Okay. Um, sometimes if you get a big can of, of pumpkin for a pumpkin, you're not going to use you're it. You're not going to use it all. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, yep. So the pumpkin chocolate chip cake mix cookies. Yep. So 15 ounce can of pumpkin, one box of spice cake mix, one egg, a bag of semi-sweet chocolate chips. Um, so preheat her oven to 350 degrees. Mix all your ingredients in a large bowl. Uh, make sure everything is incorporated uh, into the dry uh, cake mix, into the batter. Uh, scoop balls onto a prepared baking sheet. Um, I just used like my regular uh, teaspoon mm-hmm. um, to scoop mine. Yep. Um, bake for about 15 minutes. Repeat with the remaining dough. Let cool completely and uh, you can package them up or you can enjoy. You can just have them right there. Yeah. Uh, and you don't necessarily need to let them cool completely. No. These are good warm mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Um, but again, these, this is a cake mix uh, cookie yep. like the one that we had last week. So mm-hmm. it's really easy. easy. Um, I mean, you you don't have to worry about all the other stuff. You got an egg and the cake mix, and that's pretty much all you need, plus whatever else that you're uh, spicing it up with. The uh, pumpkin, in this case, and the chocolate chips. Yes. Good stuff. So the uh, recipes for the turkey, cheddar, and bacon sliders, the sweet potato patties, and the pumpkin chocolate chip cake mix cookies, perfect for all of your Thanksgiving leftovers. Uh, And that that is some good stuff right there. Yep. Uh, recipes from Kyra's Kitchen, we've got them posted on our Facebook page, on the WFIN Facebook page, also linked up at goodmornings.net. And as we mentioned uh, before, if you have a recipe that you would like to share, or if you have a request for a recipe that you've been looking for, you can email us, goodmornings at wfin.com. We'll pass that along and uh, maybe make that part of a, a future segment here. Yes. Kyra's Kitchen as we head toward Thanksgiving. My wife, Kyra. Thanks.
Thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will polish off our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the program at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. Coming up Monday, we begin our countdown to Thanksgiving. Everything you need to know for Turkey Day, plus the official start of the holiday shopping season is at hand. We'll remind you of some of the scams you need to avoid this year. So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.